Players, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 176 of the podcast that was originally recorded on September 3rd of 2017. Some of the games I played this past week, we played a little deck builder called Vikings Gone Wild. Revisited Saikatsu and got in a couple of three-player games of that, and wow, does it play great with three players just like with two. Also visited Century Golem Edition, which is a reskin of Century Spice Road. Other than that, I talked about a few of the things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are in episode 176. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild over there. Our guild number is 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And on YouTube, you can subscribe to us and follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. A little bit of a pattern there, as you can tell. Let's jump into a few of the games I played under the What I'm Playing Now section of the show. Some of these are going to be games I have already played, so we are just going to do brief recaps of those. I did get to play one new game this past week. Uh, My buddy Dave brought down Vikings Gone Wild for us. Uh, They say board game. This is both a board game as it does have a board to it, but it's a deck builder. Um, And this pretty much follows the standard deck building rules. You're going to go ahead and set up the board and basically prime it with a bunch of cards that you're going to be able to purchase along the top of the board will be different cards that are going to come out that you can both purchase as well as attack. There could be some undead creatures and some other miscellaneous creatures that might be in there that you'll be able to attack and get some resources for. On the left side of the board, when you're doing your setup, you're going to have a row of characters that you'll be able to purchase that will have an attack value to them that you can attack not only the characters or the creature Draco in the middle of the board, but any of those characters or creatures along the top of the board, as well as your opponent's constructs and buildings that they build throughout the game. You will also have some blue defense cards below that. To the right of that on the board, you're going to have several different, six different buildings that can be purchased, which will give you resources or let you store resources possibly uh, during your turn. On the bottom of the board, you will have a couple of cards that you're going to be able to purchase once you hit a certain victory point level uh, in the game. And if you're looking at the victory point path along the bottom of the board, you'll see that there are special symbols on 5, 12, 20. These are the symbols that will let you purchase those cards. You then have some victory point conditions, end game conditions for the end of the game, where you will get some victory points at the end of the game for meeting certain requirements. But basically, that is pretty much how you will be setting up the board. Very nice, fast, and easy setup for this game. But let's get into how the game is played. The game is going to take place over five different phases, I guess you could say. Normally, you're going to play to a certain amount of victory points. I think we only played to 20. Or no, we played to 30. 
we actually played till 30, I believe, is when we stopped the game because uh, we were just doing a three-player game, so we stopped at 30. The first phase is going to be production. Everybody is going to just look at the cards that they have in their village area, which are going to be your different buildings. Those are going to be the cards that will produce you different resources. The resources you're probably going to be producing are going to be beer and gold mainly. After that, everybody is going to draw up to a hand of five cards, and then you will have the player phase where you're going to do six different possible actions on your turn. They are by units defenses or those Odin Path cards, which are the cards that you can get, um, I believe, at like the 5, 12, 20, like I was stating at the beginning there. The units and defenses, those are going to be the red and blue cards that are on the left side of the board. The, like I said, those red unit cards are going to let you attack. The blue defense cards will let you defend your buildings when somebody goes to attack you. And attacking in this game isn't really, I would say, too harsh. There is a little bit of stabbiness to it, I guess you could say. We're going to be, I'll be honest with that. You know, you are you are going to be taking resources from some opponents or an opponent, I guess you could say, because you can only attack one opponent on your turn. But that's the nice thing. You can only attack one opponent on your turn, and once that opponent is attacked, nobody else can attack them. So if you're playing a three-player game and I attack the player that's across from me, I can't attack anybody else, and nobody else at the table can attack that player then on their turn until we get to a new round to where everybody's cleaning off their board and you're taking away all of the different tokens that you're going to be putting onto your different cards as being attacked. Now, the nice thing, the interesting thing about this one is the more buildings you can attack from a particular player, you get more victory points for. So if you can maybe, you know, get a hand where you can attack a lot of different buildings, you're going to be able to walk away with more victory points. It all depends on one, how you're drawing, and two, how they're drawing, because they can play those defensive cards to actually bump up the defense of their buildings after you play your attacks. So you have to try to think how many defense cards have they maybe taken during the game, how many might they have in their hand at the time, which buildings do I want to maybe try to attack with a little bit more than normal. You can attack with multiple units onto one building, so you can attack with two or three cards going against one particular building at a time to make that number higher, and sometimes you have to because some of the buildings that will be out in the later games will not be able to be attacked with just the base numbers that are on a lot of these unit cards. So one of the other things you can do on your turn during the player phase is buy buildings. That's basically just spending gold or possibly beer some of them cost. Upgrade your town hall. Your town hall has three different levels to it. It has a first, second, third level each time you upgrade it. That will allow you to put more buildings in your village area as well as being stronger on the defense side. As you get into the second and third levels, somebody's going to probably have to be attacking with multiple units to be able to hit your town hall and attack it. Uh, like I said, the biggest thing you're really going to lose in this game when somebody attacks you is going to be a resource or two. You're never going to lose a building from what I understand about the game. So it's not like you're really destroying what your opponents have built up. You're possibly slowing them down a little by, you know, taking a resource from them. Uh, in the later part of the game, I don't think it really will hurt as much. In the beginning part of the game, it might slow them down. They may be able to take um, one less action than they maybe wanted to because they could possibly be that one resource short. In the beginning game, as you're starting to try to get that engine going, you know, there is 
sometimes those that one little resource can make the difference between you being able to purchase something and not being able to. So, you know, you could possibly so slow somebody down by a turn by taking a resource from them, but it's definitely not earth-shattering stabbiness going on in this game. And like I said, the nice thing about it is once somebody's attacked, they can't be attacked again, so you don't get that swimming shark syndrome that you could get in other games where everybody just piles on one player because first blood is drawn, which I think really, really balances out that whole stabbiness part of the game and just makes it a lot more tolerable and I enjoyed it quite a bit with that. Um, some of the other things you could do during your player phase, attack. You can complete a mission. One of the things you have on your player board, you will have a couple of missions that you could complete. And this was something I wasn't doing in the game. And I think this is something that you definitely need to pay attention to a little more since this is my first time playing the game. I was going for more building up resources and every turn I would sit there and say, okay, I'm going to complete this mission. I'm going to concentrate on doing this. And then something else would get into my mind during the game. And I would sit there and be like, ah, okay, I'll do that mission next round. And I finished a couple of missions, but I definitely was lagging behind in finishing those missions, which definitely hurt me victory point wise at the end of the game. I was a little bit behind some of the other players, but I was still had a good engine going and still had a lot of stuff going to to where our scores weren't really that far out of whack from each other, which kind of surprised me. But I think completing more missions definitely is something to concentrate on. And it's a good balance that you need to do between building up your village as well as completing those missions. You can also exchange resources. There is a little chart in the middle of the table right above Draco, which you can attack for a gold or a beer where you can exchange some gold or beer for other resources or possibly cards. And that is pretty much the gist of your player phase and what you're going to be able to do. And you're going to go around the table. The player with the first person token will go first. They're going to do all the actions that they can at one time. It will then pass to the next player on the next player. And then you will start doing once all the players have gone, you'll start doing your storage phase, which if you have locations where you can actually store and save some of your goods, those will go there. If not, you will wipe pretty much everything from your boards. You will lose gold that you have. You will lose beer that you have. You will remove the resources of what you are, the little tokens of possibly if you were attacked, you will move, remove those. And then you will go on to the round end phase where you're kind of going to do some cleanup and rinse and repeat. And that, in a gist at a high level, is pretty much how you're going to be playing this. Like I said, it's a simple deck builder. You're going to start off with a hand of 10 cards. During that first draw phase, you will draw those five, draw five cards up into your hand and then pretty much just start buying and purchasing things. Anything you purchase from the top of the board will either be possibly an instant action, which will give you something. It will give you resources. The buildings are going to go into your village area. Most of the other cards are going to go into your discard pile and just get added into your hand at some time to give you resources at a later round after you shuffle and rinse and repeat. And it's essentially just a simple deck builder after that. Now, we did not play with any of the expansions, and I think there's actually an expansion for this currently on Kickstarter right now. So if you're interested in this game, definitely check that out. I believe there's a couple of other expansions that are out that my buddy Dave did not have. Um, I know he's talked about possibly picking them up, and I wouldn't mind trying it with those. But it was it was a pretty fun deck builder. Nothing out of the ordinary for it. Like I said, probably one of the nicest things I liked about it was being able to attack somebody, but not being able to really kill an opponent and have everybody at the table really got, jump onto one player. I think that them throwing that balance in there really added to the game and really made it a lot of fun because, you know, every now and then, you don't, you know, you kind of don't mind just sticking somebody just a little bit, you know, with a little shiv or something, you know, just to maybe slow them down, taking that resource or something from them. But, you know, if you were destroying buildings and if it was getting a lot more cutthroat, I think it would definitely be a way different game. 
but this is a nice, light, fun deck builder. Um, the board essentially just holds the cards. It doesn't really have much else to it. You could probably play without the board as long as you remembered some of the different uh, difference in currencies that you can do exchange-wise and, and as far as, you know, attacking Draco if they had a Draco card. The board in this game really is just a placeholder for the cards. I don't really think it does much other than that. Definitely not something that is needed because there's no really real movement on the board other than the scoring where you're moving your victory point track. But nice, fun game. The art kind of matches the flavorfulness of the game. I thought it was kind of cool, but we all really liked it. I had been wanting to play this game for a while. I really enjoyed deck builders, and I thought this was a pretty good one. So if you're looking for a decent deck builder and you like beer and Vikings and gold, check this one out. After that, we jumped over to a couple of games of Seikatsu. I finally got in a three-player game of Seikatsu. We are going to try a four-player game, so I kind of read through the rules real quick about it, and it appears when you're doing a four-player game, you split up into teams. Um, so there's teams of two, uh, but one of the guys at our table wanted to play one of the other games at another table because they were starting up playing a different game, so we actually just got to play a three-player game of it. And I will say, a three-player game of Seikatsu really wasn't much longer than a two-player game of Seikatsu when my wife and I were playing it for Jen Kant. I was really surprised. Um, the three of us that were playing are, are good gamers. We pretty much know Seikatsu is a lighter bit lighter game, but there's still some thinking you have to do. But we were able to knock out, I think, two games in probably just over 30 minutes. I mean, each game was taking us maybe 20 minutes tops. Um, so, you know, so we were right between 30 and 40 minutes for two games, probably. It's definitely a faster game once you start getting um, getting the chips down and everything and start looking at your perspective and trying to, you know, stop your opponent, like I was saying in the last episode. But that's a really fun game. I know everybody at the table really enjoyed that one. That was definitely a hit at the store, and that's one that I believe everybody's going to be picking up once it comes out because it's a nice light game. It plays well with two or three. The components are really nice. I mean, everybody was really impressed with the chips and the tokens that you're playing with. The board really just looks nice and colorful. And there is some strategy to it, but it's some nice light strategy that you can say, let's play this. You can knock a game out real quick, play a second time, and then maybe move on to something else. Like I said, we played two quick games in succession, which normally we don't do down at the game store. Normally we play one a game one time, box it up, set it aside, and move on to something else. But it played so fast for us. We were like, let's reset this back up real quick. Let's try it again, and let's knock out a second game real quick. So we did that. After that, we were done when we finished Saikatsu. We actually jumped over to Century Golem Edition. So I have Century Spice Road, and Century Golem Edition is basically just a reskinning of the game from Plan B Games. I will say, Century Golem Edition is probably the edition of the game I wish I would have purchased, but there's a big caveat to that because I'm really interested in knowing if Century Golem Edition is going to be getting the expansions that Spice Road will be getting. From what I've read on Board Game Geek and from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like they will be doing any of the expansions for the Golem Edition, but then again, they originally said they probably weren't going to be releasing the Golem Edition after they had kind of announced it, but they said, what the hell, we have all of the artwork for this one, let's put this game out, and I will say, the Golem Edition looks excellent. The art, from what we noticed, from what I could tell, unlike Century Spice Road, where you see a lot of the duplicate art pictures on cards, it almost seemed that each of the different cards in Century Golem Edition 
had different art on them. They have that much art produced for this game, which really surprised us. And the crystals that you're using instead of the little wooden cubes are just spectacular. They make such a huge difference and just go along so well with the whole golem theme that it just really changes the game. I mean, the game still plays great. We played a three-player game and we just knocked that one out really quick as well. One of those games takes a little bit longer than Seikatsu does, but not that much longer. It's, it's again, still a later game. It plays just like Spice Road. It just has a little bit different of a theming of the art to it. But gameplay-wise, is still 100% the same as Spice Road. The crystals, like I said, are definitely a little bit nicer and have a little bit better of a look on the table, I think, than the wooden cubes. But the wooden cubes still do, in you know, are still fine. But I will say... I was really impressed with the look of the art. Um, I, like I said, I was just really surprised and blown away with all of the different pictures that were in that box and that there weren't, from what we can tell, there really weren't any duplicate art cards in there. Maybe there, maybe there are some and we were just missing them, but from what we could tell and looking at them, we really didn't notice duplication of a lot of stuff in that one. So if you're looking for Century Spice Road, you like the Golem Edition, pick it up. But like I said, be wary. Definitely read on BoardGameGeek. Try to follow along. I have not looked in the past couple of days to see if anything has changed on it. But when I had looked uh, a while ago, it didn't sound like there was going to be expansions produced for Golem Edition. So if you're looking to possibly see what they're doing in the second and third releases of this game and see how these chapters are going to intertwine and intermingle with each other and how this is all going to be tied together, Spice Road may be the way you need to go for that. So just a fair warning, keep an eye on things and make sure you know what you're getting into before you purchase something, if that's really something you're interested in. If you are just interested in that base game and just playing that and not worried about the expansions, the Golem Edition is something I would definitely recommend, especially if you like the artwork a little bit more and you like those crystals because they did look pretty damn good. All right, those are the games I played for the week. Let's chat a real quick about a few of the things that I want to play, and then we might call this podcast set because I need to go get set up for our Twitch stream this evening. One of the first things that I noticed on Board Game Geek, there's a little game called Altaplano, and we'll see if I am pronouncing that right. This is from the makers of Orleans. So this is going to be another bag builder, and it looks actually rather interesting. It is set in the South American highlands of the Andes. It definitely sounds like it's going to be a challenging game. Um, definitely a lot of strategy to it. And you're building up production. you got to deliver the right goods at the right time, what it's saying here on Board Game Geek. And it's just a game, considering it's from DLP, and it's possibly a game that's similar to Orleans, where you're doing your um, like a like a whole pool building type of mechanism to the game. I can't wait to see what this game is like. Orleans is definitely one of my favorite games and having possibly another game that might be a little bit more strategic, possibly, I don't know if it's going to be any heavier or not than Orleans, but definitely a different type of theme to it, some different gameplay to it from what it sounds like on Board Game Geek. This is definitely a game that I'm going to be keeping my eye on and watch out for. It sounds like it is going to get a release at Essen in a couple of months. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on that and see what comes more with that release. Other than that, Fantasy Flight is going to be releasing a new civilization game, Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. I am a, 
I'm a fan of the Civilization games. I mean, I've been playing them since uh, Civilization back on the DOS computers 20-some years ago, if not more. So I've been a huge Civilization fan forever. Um, I have Through the Ages in my collection currently, which I still need to get to the table, and it's killing me that I have not played that game yet. So that's definitely something that my wife and I need to do on one of our streams. But the Civilization game seems like they've actually cleaned up some things from the previous Civilization game that had been released by Fantasy Flight. It sounds like it is going to have a little bit faster of a playtime to it. Um, from what it is saying on Board Game Geek, it looks looking like it might have a playtime of 60 to 120 minutes, which seems like it's very fast for a Civilization type game. From what I can tell on some of the pictures on Board Game Geek, they do look really nice. The board looks really modular. You're going to be exploring and doing all of the things that you do in a Civilization type game. So I'm going to have to keep my eye on this one as well and see how this one turns out because any new type of Civilization game that comes out, I am definitely intrigued in. Like I said, I definitely need to get through the ages to the table already. I've had that game for a while, and it has sat on the shelf, and I just have not had a chance to learn it, as I've been learning so many other games recently. But other than that, this is going to be a little shorter of an episode this week, as I only made it down to my local game store once this week. As always, send me some emails and let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. On Twitch, you can follow us at twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash What I'm Playing Now. All right, everybody, you know what to do. Until next week, go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Until then, have a great week gaming, everybody, and I will see you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.